Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name's Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals and a guy today chatting about what it means to grow. Oh my gosh, wait. Is Evan our first male guest outside of Taylor and Seb? Yeah. He's our first one. Oh my gosh, Evan. This is incredible. Landmark day for this (laughs) podcast. Also, our first guest to record in a bathroom, which feels historic too. (laughs) Yeah, you two are way too casual. I got to add a layer of sophistication to this podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) It's what we've been lacking. Okay, so our guest today for our growth series is Evan High. He, wow, what do we even say about Evan? Evan used to be one of my roommates, which was really fun. That's really when our friendship blossomed and it grew and it has stood the test of time and many, many states in between, which is really wonderful. He is very funny, very thoughtful, and I just never know what he's going to say. So he's always a fun person to be around. I was about to say, I feel like he's a little bit of an enigma because he was in our friend group for a long time before he and I bonded. And now you're never going to get rid of me, Evan. So (laughs) you're welcome. And now you're stuck like glue. Evan, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Well, just thrilled to be here. You know, always a pleasure to talk with both of you. So thanks. That was sweet. (laughs) So sweet. All right. Let's start with the basics here. What would you say your experience and relationship with personal growth in general is? Ooh, fantastic question. I would say it's (laughs) a complicated one. I mean, I have... I think we all aspire to grow in different ways. And I think you can have a comfort zone that you're afraid to leave for many different reasons. And I think it's always been a challenge for me. I've always been interested in a lot of different things, very different things. And I think, you know, one of the main struggles I've had is like just the whole time aspect, how much time can you afford to spend on interest X, Y, or Z? And how much are you going to have to sacrifice of what you already know you're interested in and enjoy doing? So I think (laughs) complicated is the main word I think of, and that's not that snazzy of a word. But pretty common, I think. Yeah. It's also making me think about Facebook, which I'm like imagining you putting up your relationship <laughs> status with growth as it's complicated. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I like that visual. Yeah. And I think you can connect growth and change. And, you know, as they say, the only constant in life is change. And that can be a scary word for a lot of people. But I think it's just, for me, it's also a, a matter of like, <laughs> it sounds very maybe pessimistic or just thick-headed, thick-skulled. But it's kind of like, what if I try to change or what if I grow and things actually get better? And that sounds, I think that sounds kind of silly, but it's also, you know, a matter of you grow, there's like a comfortability level with who you are right now. And then, you know, you don't want to change that, but also you do. And it's kind of like, if you change, you can't really go back to what you were comfortable with before. And I don't know, I guess it's like, Hmm. for me, it's also kind of like being able to accept that and just kind of take that step. So that's an interesting take on it. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I don't feel like any of our guests have talked about leaving a version of yourself that you like, which is 
definitely true. And then I personally think can be like a grief process too. Like even when you change in a way that you want to, it's still, you lose something in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, and I think I told you about this quote and it was pretty sure it was Jim Carrey who said it. He gave it some graduation speech and he was basically talking about growing up and he was very poor. His family was very poor. And he was like, yeah, my dad could have been a great comedian, but he chose the safe route and went and worked at some accounting firm for 10 years and then um, got laid off. And they started to struggle again big time. And it was basically just like, you know, you can absolutely fail at what you don't want. So why, you know, why not shoot for what you really are interested in? And mm-hmm. um, and then if I you think, failed, you tried at least. Right. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I think it's just you, you know, you try to grow and you want to change these aspects about yourself. And it's kind of like you want to do or you want to improve this aspect about yourself. Um, so I think it's just even if you like where you are now, I think there's also there's going to be, you know, a way you can try to change. And if you you think that way of changing would, you know, make things better, then why not shoot for it? And then it's also like same kind of thing. If it doesn't work out, then I think you can, are definitely able to return to that prior state and kind of reassess and then figure out different methods of change and just try those out. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. That was a long, but then winded, I feel like... long-winded answer. <laughs> That's fine. That's okay. That's what we're here for. I feel like also that it is complicated in that there's also a lot of feelings that come with like quote-unquote failure. So if you are mm-hmm. like pushing yourself to grow and do something and then you feel like you've fallen short of that, having to then reckon with all of those feelings that come with that, you know. So yeah, it's tricky. For sure. Agreed 100%. Okay, well, in continuing with the topic of growth, what does it look like for you in friendships? I think just maintaining, I personally feel like, you know, the people I'm friends with now, I've been friends with for years and years and years. And so it's like, I think the root, you know, the core values of the friendship are what you rely on when either distance occurs via physical distance or just, you know, people going through different life changes. I think that's what kind of keeps that bond strong. And I don't know, I think you obviously live your life and pursue the interests that you want to pursue. But also, I mean, you can try to support whenever there's a different combination of interests. And yeah, there's just, you know, maintaining your own interests and just kind of being there in being supportive of the people that you've known the longest. And I think just maintaining, again, those common interests. And then if there's stuff that changes, you adapt and, you know, kind of make the decision whether or not there's, I mean, you don't have to support 100% of everything that your friends are, you know, you ideally perfect world, I think you would. But I think there's just going to be changes that they go through that you're not interested in. And so there'll be separation there. But I think you just kind of maintain what you've relied on up to this point in the friendship. And just, I think, presence is the big thing. And just, you know, being there when they need you and 
doing what you can to make them feel supported and help them out as much as possible. So, and I think obviously that takes many different forms, but, and that's definitely not a sweeping thing where you can just do the same thing for every different friendship. You just got to context matters, obviously, and make sure you're doing what's best for both of you to maintain relationship. I feel like personally one way that I know that you've grown in friendships is by sharing how you (laughs) feel about your friends. I feel like that has been a huge area of growth for you in the last at least two years, maybe maybe a little bit more. I'd be curious to hear kind of like what spurred that on for you to be more open about that sort of thing. I mean, that's a good question. I would say in a nutshell, it's kind of just like I am just like, okay, if you're not because I was always, bring, be it, you know, upbringing or whatever the cause was, really, I was just kind of like, don't show your feelings. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was always a very, like, sensitive kid. And so I think I took a lot of things personally, too. And I think I was, I was definitely that way up until probably four or five years ago, I would say. And I think it's just the realization of, the biggest thing for me was like talking to people that were experiencing the same things and just realizing that everybody has their shit. <laughs> and it's like, yep. it's, you know, loosening the grip as they say. And I think it's just a combination of that. And again, one of those things where you're like, all right, you can waste a lot of time, you know, being up unhappy about the why things aren't the way you want them to be or, you know, circle back and kind of just be grateful for the way things are and acknowledge that, Hey, you know, I think it's dangerous to fall into like the things could be worse mindset. I think it's good to have that in the back of your mind. But I think if you let that volume turn up a little too loud, I think that can be not super helpful. And so I think it's just a combination of all that. And then realizing that, you know, People care about you, but also your life's not under a microscope and they're not going to judge any tiny detail that you choose on any given day or whatever. Going back to people not remembering what you say, but how you make them feel and just being around really good people the last five or six years, I think, and gaining new friendships is and realizing that like, oh, these are really trustworthy genuine people i think it's easy when you feel like people are easy to be around it's easy to share and easy to want to deepen the relationships you do have with those people so i love that also i'm not trying to pump anna and myself up but it sounds like you've got some friendships (laughs) that are breeding ground for growth (laughs) yes absolutely and there's you know people that you kind of if you're not willing to share or just have like an intimate connection with anybody, then like why or share any emotional depth with anybody, then why would they be, why should they be willing to do that with you? And so it's kind of like the desire to have, I think. Reciprocal friendships. Yes, for sure. And just like a desire of wanting, you know, more than an ankle deep level level of a relationship in the friendship or whatever. So we love a deep combo. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what you were saying about how people don't really remember what you said, but they remember how you make them feel like the last 
couple times we've seen each other and I know like you and Taylor have had some really special moments and I'm like, I definitely don't remember like exactly what got said, but you were so emotional about sharing like how much you care. And I feel like there's so much power in just being vulnerable about your how you're feeling. It's like people yeah, aren't going to remember exactly what you communicated, but I'm like, those are things I won't ever forget. I think a lot of that was alcohol induced. Too. Okay, listen. <laughs> I mean, alcohol makes the truth come out though. So <laughs> I think, yes, those were emotional moments and everything I said was true. I think it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to say when Let's you're Let's not discount the, the, the conversation <laughs> though. I mean, it sounds like you had a moment. That's great. Right. And I think it's just, yeah, just one of those generic you never know. And it's like, we're getting to that age where it sucks, but like people are dying and that's a very real thing, whether it be, you know, a car accident or someone gets sick or, and so it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. I have always been again up until five or six years ago. It was like, just don't talk about it. And I mean, I, there's this friend group that we have. It's like, I would feel very guilty if something happened where like a, we lost somebody or I was something happened to me and it was like, I couldn't tell these people how much they mean to me because it's very important to me. So that's so nice. (laughs) All right. I have two follow-up questions. One being, it sounds like five or six years ago, something changed. Was there an impetus for all of this or was it just like a slow realization? I think it was probably just a slow realization and I think I just, you know, I was friends with the people that I we all lived with. And I think I just, <laughs> sounds very simple, but I think I just like lived, because I l- was bouncing around and kind of like living at home and then not living at home. And I think a lot of it was just getting out of the house and away from this physical comfort zone. And I love my family. I love my parents. I love my sister. But it's like, you're only meant to live with your family for so long. And I think it kind of just like, I developed this cocoon. And it was just kind of like, I didn't, well, like, if you want, you don't want to share, obviously, the same stuff. You don't want to share with your parents the same stuff you would share with your friends. So it's like, you share too much detail, and then they freak out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why did I even say that to them? And it just becomes a mess. (laughs) So I think it was just, yeah, talking to people more. Getting out of your physical comfort zone. Right. And I think just gaining more perspective definitely helped. And then it was just kind of like tipping point where it was like, oh, I'm not the only person that feels this way on any given day about X, Y, or Z. And I think the floodgates opened after that, as they they say. (laughs) All right. My second follow-up question is you mentioned feeling like you needed to not show your feelings. Yeah. I haven't had many of these conversations with men. Do you feel like that has to do with you being male? Do you feel like that was like an overt thing that you learned or was it subtle? Like, what are your feelings on that? I mean, I think in general, there's still that stigma in society about, you know, I think it's slowly fading, but it's definitely still there. And just the whole alpha male don't show your emotions. I think, I mean, not so subtle in that, like, again, the society the societal standard was as a guy don't show your emotions and I think yeah just I was naturally kind of a quiet kid and had you know I think it was I was a quiet kid and then so it was like when I spoke up I think it was kind of 
everybody was like, whoa, he's speaking up. And I think from the outside perspective, it was like, oh, the person who never talks is talking about this. And that's kind of wild that he's like showing this much emotion as passionate about this issue or whatever as he is. And I think so. I think that kind of like maybe, I don't know, just caught people off guard and their reactions to being caught off guard made me kind of think, whoa, like maybe I shouldn't (laughs) just do this, you know, verbal brain dump essentially. And just dial it back and it's better to just kind of keep it keep it to myself unless it's with someone that I'm super super comfortable around and again I'm glad that that's changing for sure and it's just like I'm incredibly grateful that I have what I would consider some very 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 close friendships with people that I think I can say whatever and there's not judgment there and just it's one of those things where I am grateful and also I'm just like, I can't imagine what it would be like to not be able to talk to these people about stuff. So yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, I'm actually excited about this question because I hope you're going to (laughs) say what I think you're going to say, but we'll see. What is something new that you've tried recently? Ooh, something, something new that I've tried. Are we, are we talking about a hobby or a food or I feel like anything you want. Yeah, up to your interpretation. Well, I started playing pickleball. You played? Oh my gosh, Evan, we're going to have to play together. Yes, and Bracey, I I listened to this last podcast that you guys did, and I heard you mention pickleball, and I was very upset and also excited about the <laughs> prospects of I, having someone Yeah, I didn't know that you played, so we're always looking for new people to play with. <laughs> I played twice, so yeah. No, we've only played like five or six times, but it's really fun. <laughs> did you play tennis growing up, Evan? I did not. Okay. I my mom was actually a big tennis player, and she tried to get me to. I took lessons for one summer, like when I was like ten, and it was during the summer. All my friends were at the pool, and I had to play tennis, and I did not like that, so I kind of <laughs> just gave up on it pretty quickly. Okay, and yeah, I mean, I can volley but yeah in terms of like playing with any yeah. kind of intensity no i is that what you expected him to say no that's not what, I mean. <laughs> what did you think he was gonna say although at this point i feel like i should expect that everyone's new hobby is pickleball because it's just growing so rapidly and it's mm-hmm. so fun so i get it the new thing that you've been into recently that i know of is your photography and you're oh. really 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 good at it. <laughs> how new is that though? yeah i mean i was gonna say that's like a year, year and That's a half. That's new, though. Say. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, I was. I guess I should have asked what your definition of new is. I do. I'm. I love the photography because I feel like we are recipients of his talent. A thousand percent. <laughs> like every time you post pictures of him, I'm like, okay, wait, is Evan going to do this for his job? Like one day? Like is that going to be? Are you going to be a full time photographer one day? Because I'm here for it, and I think you could. We'll see. We'll see. It might be. Might have to be something that I turn my attention a little bit more to, yeah. but it's like one of those, I kind of struggle with the whole going back to what you were talking about earlier, like, okay, what if I really like what I'm doing now with this photography thing where there's like no expectation and I'm just basically going out and taking pictures of friends that I love or places that I love or just 
what have you. And it's kind of like... Or tomatoes that I love. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it looks how it looks when it comes out. And I'm not, I'm, you know, am I disappointed that something doesn't turn out as well as I thought it might? Sure. But it's also like, I don't owe anybody anything. So it's like, I don't have to stress Mm. out about it. And I think that's kind of like... Right. And I think that's what kind of what I was trying to get at with the whole growth and change thing. And it's like, okay, I'm really comfortable with this right now. And I know what I would need to do to potentially like step it up and call this a career. But then is that something you really want? Because I think that sometimes people monetize hobbies and then they're not happy. Yeah. yeah. And if you're like, you get the whole, okay, what if I fail at it? And then it's like, I just have this negative connection to it because it's like and i don't even want to do it as a hobby anymore because it's Mm -hmm. like oh that crashed and burned yeah or what if i'm incredibly successful at it and you're like okay how would i handle that and so there's these unknown variables i guess when with growth and change where it's very easy to also you know just stick with what you've been doing and you know i don't want to say wondering what if but just kind of like finding a way to be content with the decision you've made, I guess. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those are all important questions. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I love the topic of limiting beliefs. Do you have <laughs> any limiting beliefs you would like to share with us and how are you handling them? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I was raised in a different household dynamic and that my mom was the one that, was the breadwinner and my dad was the stay-at-home dad. And I think I'm I love my parents. I am very grateful of everything they've given up to this point and the sacrifice they've made. I think you also <laughs> I hate to throw the butt in there, but I think there's a lot of things that I would have done differently or that I didn't like about how they raised me and I think there was, you know, a difficult kind of my dad was had his own struggles and so it's like it's the whole I laugh at it every time I see it but like I see the meme that's like generational trauma will continue until someone anybody please god anybody can chooses <laughs> to put an end to it and so it's like I go back and forth between being frustrated or disappointed but also like it wasn't that easy for them when they were a kid either so Right. Us, our parents mm-hmm. always do the best they can. Right. And we have we have their example to improve on. So, yes. of course, we're going to have okay. some things that we're going to do differently, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so I guess it was just how my sister and I were raised. It was kind of like, I think the worst case scenario was there was a bigger emphasis on that versus just like be the free-spirited kid, go out, you know, make mistakes. You're going to probably trip and I don't know, twist your ankle, hopefully not fracture your anything, anything severe like that. But I grew up with kids that had parents like that. And while every time I went out to play with friends and we would go in the woods, it would be like, Evan, make sure you got your rain boots on. So if you step on a snake, like it's not going to bite you and stuff like that. So a lot of planning for the worst case right. scenario and so like, outlook kind of type of stuff yeah and so that kind of got hammered in at too young of an age i think and has kind of just 
transformed itself into the whole like self doubt and well I would I think I really would enjoy like doing photography but what if I you know what if I can't do it or like there's people my age that have been doing it for 15 years and I've only been doing it for a year and like I'm not going to be chosen over someone that has 15 years of experience mm-hmm. I think it's just like that would be the biggest limiting belief and I guess would just be like the negative what if of and like yeah negative what if slash worst case scenario mindset that's kind of been present for too long and I think also on the counter of that what if it goes really well and I am successful at it that's kind of like how would I handle that too that's the interesting thing that I keep hearing you say like it's it's awesome that you've identified that you have this like worst case scenario thing that you have to contend with but I don't think I've heard anybody as often as you've mentioned, like worry about what if it goes well? What if I can't handle it if it goes well? And mm-hmm. I'm like, what? If, but what if it's awesome? <laughs> what if What if you're so happy? Yeah. What are What are the fears there of like, okay, let's say you do it and it goes super well. I guess it's like probably how is that going to, how is that going to affect friendships, I would say. And it's like right now I feel like I have time for the friendships in my life right now. And I think that's huge. And it's like, what if I develop this skill and really enjoy it? And this, like the time needed for that skill pulls me away from the friendships or X, Y, or Z that I really enjoy doing now. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. To me, what I'm hearing is a limiting belief about how much time you need. Like I don't have enough time is the thing. Yeah. And then I think that's me probably thinking ahead and using that as an excuse to just talk myself out of it versus just like maybe going the whole way and seeing how it plays out and if it works out great if it doesn't learning experience Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think there's just a mental block there for me where it's like you're gonna have to choose before it even happens and you know whether or not you can't know the outcome right (laughs) (laughs) I hear two things. One is like, if you do nothing, then you have control over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You stay exactly where you are, then you're, you get to control that, that part of right. the situation. And the other thing is hearing that you aren't sure if your friends would stretch for you. Because you talked earlier about how you know our friends go through different things and they have different things in their life that are going on and you just figure out how to be there for yeah. them. Which is stretching which is stretching and maybe you don't you're not sure if your friends would stretch for you if you have this new thing and it takes up more of your time and it pulls you away from getting to spend as much time with your friends or whatever like how would that affect friendships but maybe the friends wouldn't stretch what's this concept of stretching so just overextending your not overextending it's just like okay so for example in Anna's relationship I had a baby and I feel like most of my friends have stretched at least a little bit for me because I have less time. And then in a different season where Anna might be going through something hard, I stretch for her. And it's not overextending. It's just you meet the person where they are. Mm-hmm. Got and you're willing to like make certain changes that need to be made in the relationship to maintain that same like level of closeness that you want, but it might not look exactly how yeah, it right. used to look. Yeah. And I think I... I don't know. There's there's a lot of people that I'm close with now where it's like I can't think of hardly anything that I would not do if it was feasible for them. And I don't know. I think there's a dynamic and like 
I <laughs> I hope slash I guess want to believe that I'm a pretty low maintenance friend for better or worse. And it's just, and I think that's a lot of a lot of that comes from again just being raised and not wanting to come off as needy. But it's like I really don't expect a lot from my friends, but also I want to give as much as support as possible to everyone that I really, really care mm-hmm. about. So well, spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure your friends would stretch for you. So I don't think that needs to be something <laughs> that you worry about. <laughs> and I think it was just, yeah, I feel like again, stretching is kind of encroaching on the whole like expressing needs and something I struggle with mm-hmm. too. And like if I don't want I'd much rather ask for nothing at all versus asking for too much. So I tend to lean towards the former because it's like, I don't know, everybody's got a lot going on, but you also want to make time for what's important for you. And I think there's just a kind of, yeah, I don't want to ask people if, hey, do you want to do this or that? Or it's like, hey, I'd like to see you on this weekend or whatever. And I think it's just definitely in my own head, but kind of like, I want the last interaction impression of me to be like a positive one. So it's like, I just wait until they kind of reach out. So it's like, it's not like it's me asking to hang out or asking for something versus like they came to me on their own. Be there. This could be its own podcast. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Do you, okay. Really quick side question, because I definitely have some similarities in this and that asking for what I need is just like incredibly challenging for me, do you find that you build up resentment by not asking for like what you need from people if they don't read your mind and do the thing that you want them to do? I think I have, this is a realization of not growth. I think I didn't realize this before, so it is growth. But I think, yeah, I did used to get, and I still do every now and then, get frustrated when I'm not getting what I want from a friend or a family member. But it's also I have a bad habit of kind of this nonverbal communication and or assuming people understand nonverbal communication. And so it's like, and mm-hmm. therefore expecting in general, like expecting people to just know what I want, read my mind without me saying anything. Mm-hmm. That's the dream, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I can think of an example when we had all, me and Taylor and Cam, when Max and Jacob were all living together. And this was probably within the first two or three months, I would say. And we'd been going out together a little bit, but I think it was maybe like a Tuesday or some weeknight. And I asked, I had asked them to go to trivia and it's like, we're all living together. I grow accustomed to their, everybody kind of grows accustomed to the living routine situation. So it's like, oh, I realized that like, we're mostly here, all here after work, kind of like decompressing watching the office in the living room probably that's where four four out of five of us are going to be after five o'clock and so i think there was maybe like two out of three weekends three weeks or something i just sent a group text out and then basically was like hey do you want to go to trivia at i think it was like steel string or somewhere in carborough and the (laughs) the overwhelming response was like no i'm too tired or no i can't do it tonight and so i think Two out of three of those times, and I was just like, after the second time, maybe it was three out of four or something like that. And 
after the third time, I was just kind of like, all right, they just don't want to do this. This is really frustrating. I'm trying to spend time with them and they just don't want to do it. And kind of took that personally at first. And I think there was definitely some stuff that happened similar to that within the next six months to a year of us living together. And I think after a while, I kind of just turned a corner and was like, all right, just, they're not saying no, I don't want to hang out with you, Evan. They're saying, no, I don't want to go to this event because I'm too tired or I have stuff after work to do or I'm not just not feeling it. So I think that was kind of a hurdle that was tough to clear. But obviously now in retrospect, kind of like I just if I think if I had maybe clearly expressed my interests, it would have changed things or it would have just it would have felt better, I think, to say, hey, like, I want to go out and hang out with you guys outside of the house. Right. Yeah. To, like, be more clear. Yeah. Like, I do want to go to trivia, but, like, I would like to do something outside of the house. It's important yeah. to me. And that's not, you know, like, that's, they weren't hearing that. They were like, oh, I just don't want to go to right. trivia. That's it. <laughs> and I think, too, there's, I've always been, like, if I'm fine doing something by myself, if they, you know, if nobody else wants to do it. But I think... Prior to me kind of turning that corner, I was definitely like, it definitely felt like more of a rejection than just a, I guess, boundary setting of theirs is what you would call it for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right. We've talked a little bit around it, but we haven't actually said the word anxiety. <laughs> you want to tell us a little Never bit about your specific yeah. brand of anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I've been an anxious kid for as long as I can remember. And again, your upbringing has a ton to do with that. And I can remember like, this was probably like I was in fourth or fifth grade and I was at school and elementary school. This was like, the school was probably two miles from my house, but took the bus there and home. And I remember one day I just missed the bus and had just a meltdown. And I was like, I remember I was crying and I was just like, (laughs) like, how am I going to get home? What am I going to do? And eventually I calmed down, but like, that's one of the just vivid memories of when I think after I've kind of really discovered anxiety and how it shows itself, but it's just like, again, tying that into, you know, the worst case scenario. And yeah, just, I think I am a chronic overthinker as my cousin has eloquently labeled me a premature overthinker, I think is what she calls me. And Yeah, I think Brie Larson has a podcast and Bill Hader was one of her guests and he has a big, big anxiety problem and was basically just like broke it down and said like, you know, depression is being upset about the present or what's happened to you in the past. Anxiety is just all about the future. And that's true. He had a Buddhist saying that was like, it's interesting. I'm thinking about getting a tattoo and or I want to get multiple tattoos at some point, Ooh. but just a tattoo of this. But it was just Buddhist saying, and I think it was basically like, admire the, admire the ocean, acknowledge the wave. And what that means is just like you are standing on the edge or in the sand looking out at the ocean. It's just like this vast openness, beautiful, like you can't even comprehend how big it is. And you see past the waves that are right in front of you and it's just calm and peaceful and it's just like you just have to kind of think of life in that manner and that the waves are going to come and they're going to they're not going to not be there 
but you just have so much more that's out there in comparison to these, you know, tiny little things that are coming in increments. And so I think it's just anxiety for me has all been thinking about scenarios that are very unlikely to happen. And somehow I convince myself that they will. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. but also I guess the relationship part is just like knowing to tell yourself either a, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen that way. Or B, you know, worst case, if it does happen that way, you react accordingly and kind of move on. And I think it's unfortunate and that I have probably dealt with anxiety in the not not so healthy ways. And I think there's, but the not so healthy ways are kind of, you know, obviously that temporary Band-Aid. And so it's just like worrying again about, well, what if it's not, what if I try to address it this way and that doesn't work? And, you know, letting that control the narrative and just not even trying to address it because you're like oh if it doesn't work then it's just a waste of time and you're back to square one where you are so that would kind of be how i would describe my relationship and i could i could talk about this for another (laughs) three or four hours i think couldn't we all (laughs) and i'm sure anna's heard a lot of this and i still owe her some money from the therapy sessions that (laughs) she was lying down friends are always on the house but yeah just not letting your head spiral too much and kind of keeping the big picture that's a journey okay well thanks for sharing we appreciate it it's a hard thing to talk about Mm -hmm. i think even though we talk about (laughs) are we like an anomaly that our friend group talks about this stuff so much or is that pretty normal i don't don't know know. i kind of feel like once we identified that anxiety was a problem we were all like oh yeah this is something that i struggle with all the time and a bonding experience yeah (laughs) and the the more we talk about it the easier it's to talk about so you know well yeah 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 i guess thank you for asking and it's also just like i going back to the deep appreciation i have for you two and everybody else in this group where it's like you say it's a hard thing to talk about but in this setting or within that group i would almost disagree and like there's obviously that fine line between being vulnerable and oversharing <laughs> and you, you gotta mm-hmm. walk that as best you can but what is oversharing <laughs> we're sharing like a really normal amount and then having anxiety about did you share right. too much it's later every <laughs> single time we talk to anybody ever. right that's me <laughs> I think it's easier to talk about stuff that's quote unquote hard to talk about with people that experience it. Sure. It's relatable. It's easy to connect over. It's just sometimes hard to talk about yourself. Oh, yeah. I'm with you there for 100%. For sure. so. <laughs> All right. Should we do some easy questions then? Yes. Let's do it. What's on your bucket list? Tattoos, obviously. Yeah. That's interesting in that like there's, I have a lot of different things, but yeah, tattoos, I would say living in somewhere other than North Carolina for a couple of years at least for sure that's been a long standing one and then i would say pretty common definitely but traveling internationally more and just seeing as many different places as possible mhm and then hmm i mean i would i would say like going to see a concert at Red Rocks probably like the Gorge in Washington two really great venues that I wouldn't really care who I saw there, but it's more of a experience than going for a specific act. So I've heard. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sounds very basic, but I'm kind of like, I don't, how do you guys view a bucket list? Could you say learning a new skill would be on your bucket list? No, I think that's 
If that's something we want to do before you die, then yeah. 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 I mean, I would guess kind of polish photography skills and potentially get some kind of a niche where I could get paid for not super <laughs> stressful and time consuming work, but I, yeah, shooting for the stars there, I guess, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I haven't had a dog where I'm like, this is my dog. I definitely want a dog of my own at some point. And I would just say, Again, I found it, I, I could talk for hours about this too, but I listened to you guys talking about the the Love Languages podcast, and I was very interested in that for sure. Have you taken the test? I have not, but I... Okay, you should take it. There's a bunch of thoughts I had that I just didn't write down, and now it's just kind of hard to verbalize oh, sure. them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely like, I don't know. Well, going back to bucket lists and tying in the love languages, I would just say like the whole shared experiences thing with the people that I care most for and enjoy being around the most. Yeah. More shared experiences. Pile that on as high as you can. <laughs> All right. Should we do some rapid fire? Let's do it. Evan, you can't think too long. You got to just say how you feel. And you can't qualify everything. You just got to go with your gut. Okay. <laughs> got it. Okay, you ready? Yeah. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Netflix or Hulu? Hulu. Night or morning? Mm, night. <laughs> Passenger or driver? Driver. Train or airplane? Airplane. What are we driving in the passenger or driver question? That's the thing. You can't. You can't <laughs> know. Is that over, yep. over mm -hmm. quantifying mm -hmm. it? No, no overthinking <laughs> this. It's not allowed. Okay. 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 <laughs> Forget I said it. Oh, money or owe a favor? Oh, oh, money. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Be embarrassed or be afraid? Ooh. Um, definitely embarrassed. <laughs> oh, you're the first person I think we've ever asked that that said be embarrassed. Okay. Uh, city or countryside? City. Wine or beer? <laughs> beer. Saturday football or Sunday football? Sunday. Wrong answer. Cooking or being cooked for? <laughs> um, cooking. Go to a play or go see a stand-up show? Stand-up. Attend a party or host a party? Oh, I would say, I would say attend. <laughs> I feel like, okay, I was like, <laughs> neither? <laughs> maybe I'll show up, maybe I'll fly to Coachella. For everybody listening, that is Evan's claim to fame. That is a real it's story a that actually joke. happened where we were planning a birthday party together <laughs> and Evan <laughs> failed to mention that he wasn't going to attend the party. He was going to be in Coachella. So he just was missing for a few days and then sent a snap of him at Coachella. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, man. It's one of my favorite stories ever. I don't know this story. It's uh, just asking for trouble. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, sneakers or slides? Slides. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Iced coffee. Reality shows or documentaries? Mm, documentaries. All right, and the last one, pineapple pizza or candy corn? Candy corn on your pizza or pineapple? Oh, pineapple. No, just pineapple in general. pizza okay. or candy corn as a snack. I was going to say, candy corn on pizza, what kind of... It's close to Halloween, so it's on brand, but I guess. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> Wait, which one did you say? Oh, pineapple on pizza. Sorry. 
All right. Well, that is all of the rapid fire questions that we have. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us and being vulnerable. It was really fun to talk with you about all these things. You have such interesting perspectives on some stuff and some areas that we haven't thought about. Yeah, we appreciate you doing this with us. Thank you for having me. It's always a thrill when I get to talk to you too. You both have a very calming presence. And like I said, it's like, it's very easy to talk to you both about this stuff, life, as they call it. Also, I think you might be one of the people I was most surprised listened to our podcast. Really? I was like, oh, you're listening to me? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) I mean, change, growth, science. Expansion, expanding the mind. Science. (laughs) Data. (laughs) Buzzwords. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you have any follow-up questions for Evan, you can send us an email at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will make sure he gets them. And as always, be sure to follow along on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye.